Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would love to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, this past week certainly has been amped up, for lack of a better word. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, uh, a lot of tension and things of that nature, and I don't mean to dismiss it, but in this episode particularly, I will not be talking about it because I want to do a whole separate episode on that uh, and kind of my thoughts and things like that. And usually when I do a longer episode like that, I always try to really reflect and listen before I try to have an, any sort of opinion because what I want to add to the discussion, I want to have value. I want it to be something that is additive instead of just noise on top of noise, and worse, uh, just angering and, 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 and raising tensions that are already very high. Now, does that negate and, you know, in a way, dismiss, you know, what I'm doing here as far as this and just kind of all the stuff that I'm going to talk about? No. Uh, you know, I think very much we need art and goodness in the world, right? That is a way of combating the other stuff. And yes, you know, it's very easy to say that from a place of privilege. Absolutely. I don't deny that. But it is needed, you know? And in fact, there's a Jewish proverb or principle. Um, I'm not quite sure the right term, but there's this idea where if you have a funeral procession and a wedding procession and they happen to intersect, who gets the right of way? And the answer is the wedding because optimism essentially must always win out. And that to me is a very beautiful notion, right? And so in doing this episode, I guess in, in a sense, I'm trying to honor that optimistic spirit, um, and whatnot, but just know that I am well aware of the horrors of our world. And I don't just mean in Israel and Gaza, you know, and by the way, I'm not claiming to be an expert in the conflicts of the world, you know, but if you want to kind of quick preview, you know, back in, uh, back last year, I believe like October, I, reflected again on the state of the world um, and making sense of war and stuff like that. And I've talked about the Ukraine war, which kind of, in essence, echoes a lot of my sentiments that I do have. Um, but one of the things I mentioned there was that people are shocked that, uh, you know, that there would be a war in today's modern day and age. And I'm like, even if you were born, you know, a year ago, two years ago, doesn't matter. You've lived through a war. There's wars constantly happening. We just don't get told about them in the media, uh, unless it's something that affects the U.S. in some particular way. So anyway, uh, all that to say, I'm aware 
I'm not an expert and I will address those things uh, in a separate episode and hopefully give it some justice and, and, and raise some perspectives that perhaps aren't being talked about or aren't being shared as much. Let's get to, um, you know, kind of the other side of it, the, uh, the, 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 the good news side of things. So first and foremost, I made an admission last week to finish out the revision of an outline for my forthcoming movie called The Arbiters. And, you know, if you've been tracking my journey with these vlogs, I'd been revising an outline that I made back in March and had already written a script for, but, you know, it's kind of my methodology of two steps forward, one step back, you know, in order to really tackle the script and get it to a better position, I need to take a more bird's eye view. And revising the outline allowed me to do that. And all in, it came in at 95 pages. So it's not written like a novella or, or, or whatnot, but it certainly, you know, <laughs> kind of is one because it's 59 pages. And I'm excited because, you know, the whole point of doing that was it'll get me a much better blueprint to write the script. So this week, we'll see how far I can get with the script. Ideally, I would get through all of it. Uh, you know, it should, like, I now know exactly how the story should be, and I have to just put the words down on the page. And I'm not necessarily going for, you know, all the right words in t as far as the script. I can, I can revise that, but just you know, getting it from outline form into script form, that's my next phase. And the only thing that could prevent me from finishing that, it won't be a lack of creativity or writer's block. It's more so the physical act of writing actually takes time. You know, a, a script itself can be like 20,000 words on average, you know, at least the ones that I've seen. If not, you know, and, and some scripts certainly, like the old older school ones are very detailed. Those can be like 50,000 to, if not 60,000 words. Um, so it's a lot of words to have to type out, <laughs> quite literally. So we'll see how far I get, but, you know, that's the aim. But overall, as far as what I'm going to measure myself on, it's more so, am I putting in the time and effort to be able to utilize this? You know, am I each and every day chipping away at this? And if the answer is yes, then I can be proud of myself and be satisfied, right? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, the sort of thing that happened that was unexpected in this week was a friend of mine, uh, she messaged me if I would be on her podcast and talk about creativity. And, you know, I love those kinds of conversations and whatnot. It was, it was really fun. It was about, give or take, like 40 minutes. And we got pretty deep, pretty fast. And it, it was a joy to, to really have those conversations, you know, the back and forth dialogue. Uh, you know, as much as I love sharing in this space and I love the community that we're building where, you know, you respond and uh, maybe counter, maybe add, whatever the case may be. 
you know, I love that we're doing it in a very respectful way. It's still great to have that immediacy of it all, you know, and that's what this was. And if you're curious, I've linked to the interview itself on in the description box so you can check that out. And it was just fun, you know, and, and one of the questions that was asked, like, you know, hey, is art important, essentially? And yeah, I answered that, like, yeah, 100%, it is. Because it it offers a mirror, a counterpoint, point of reflection, guidance for how we live life, right? I mean, look no further than how we survived the pandemic. You know, a lot of us just consumed art. And that made us feel okay. So, of course, art is important. But, yeah, you know, even if it's not necessarily the most hopeful art made, to see ourselves within a piece of work gives us that solace and connection to know that there's others feeling this way and we're not alone, right? That's a big thing of art. So I wholeheartedly stand by art is important no matter what's going on, right? In good times and bad times, it's always important. Uh, The other big exciting thing um, of last week was that Goop the, the brand started by Gwyneth Paltrow was celebrating its 15-year anniversary. Now, how does this tie to me? Well, for about the past five years, give or take, I've been working on the Goop podcast. So I've worked with Gwyneth for that time and, you know, the various co-hosts that have been a part of it. And it's been a pleasure. And as an added bonus, because I've been so involved... Gwyneth did, to commemorate the 15-year anniversary, she didn't ask me anything. And the questions were submitted to her by, not fans, although she does do those from time to time, and they're really fun. More so, she usually does those on social media, um, but she has done it on the podcast here and there. But as far as this was concerned, the questions came from people who have known her, that I've been a part of Goop. And then, of course, there's like Cameron Diaz, you know, who's one of her best friends. So all in all, very important and worthwhile people. And the fun part was the Goop team had asked me if I wanted to submit a question because they thought it would be great. And so I was very honored and I took that opportunity and My question is in the show. Gwyneth answers it in a both fun and meaningful way. And it's just great to kind of be a part of something that means so much to people and, you know, does overall change the culture towards the positive spectrum. And, you know, it got me thinking back to just all the episodes that I've done with the team. And it was also just that episode itself. It was great to hear the early beginnings of, of Goop um, from just even the questions, the way they were phrased. 
and then kind of go into the answers. And of course, it's not a comprehensive history of, of Goop whatsoever, but just a fun window into it all. And, you know, obviously everyone and everything has a story, and so it was great to hear that. You know, my only sort of wish for Gwyneth, and this is reminiscent of all things, you know, usually when, when like you kind of approach a big milestone, you're still kind of caught up in the preparation of all of it <laughs> in the sense of like, okay, well, what are we doing to commemorate this? And then, you know, there's a lot of like press surrounding that and, you know, things you have to do because I've been involved in, you know, big milestones, you know, whether it be birthdays or, you know, five-year anniversaries of companies and or like a milestone in episodes produced, like all, all you know, it's great to celebrate milestones. The only aspect is that there, there's still like this go, go, go factor to it where you're not afforded that ability to, to really just kind of relax and, and, and take it in. At least that was the case for me, you know. Uh, and so I don't know for certain, but I hope Gwyneth got that moment because she's really built something amazing, you know. And she is a very much like go, go, go type of person doing a million things at once, um, both from an outside perspective and just, you know, from what I've observed of her. And she deserves it, you know, I think, I think very much so. I mean, 15 years and to build it from essentially was a newsletter. I mean, again, I don't know the full history and just, but to build it from like this newsletter and to, to what it is today, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Now, speaking of Coop, the other big component um, related to it, at least, Cleo Wade who is the newest co-host of the Goop podcast, wonderful person. She started earlier this year. It's been a pleasure to work with her. She uh, came out with a book called Remember Love. And I say came out because it's literally out today, October 17th, uh, the day that (laughs) this episode is being released. And so you can go get it. Now, Cleo Wade is a poet, writer, and now a podcast host, among other things. And she's just so great with words. You know, poetry is not an art form that I generally gravitate towards. Not because I don't want to, but because it's just not my natural inclination, right? I'm not surrounded by it on a day-to-day basis. You know, my friends don't send me poems to read. Um, I don't go, you know, it's just not that like, instinctual, hey, check this out, go seek it sort of a thing. (laughs) Excuse me. But in, in reading Cleo's work, you know, I'm really moved by it. And even though the book came out October 17th, aka the day of this episode's release, she did do an L.A., book tour start and it was actually before so it was on friday the 13th right and this is going to be important to the story and you'll find out in a minute but anyway 
she was doing, you know, it was, a, it was the first stop of her book tour. And so I decided, let me go because I want to go support. I wasn't re- required to go by any means. And certainly I could have notified, you know, her team and said, hey, can you get me, can you get me to the event? Like that way I didn't have to pay all that stuff. But it is my principle that I want to support to the extent that I can, uh, you know, people in my life that I believe in. You know, now obviously Cleo Wade is objectively very successful, you know, New York Times bestselling author. So in essence, you know, she like, if we measured like, does she need my support ver- you know, where would my support have a greater impact? Me going to a friend's, you know, first time uh, stand-up routine or Cleo Wade, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, weigh the same. But in principle and heart, it does. And so, you know, again, I wasn't obligated to go, but I really believe in Cleo. And I, I, I really appreciate her and love working with her. So I was like, yeah, let me, let me go check this out. And, you know, poetry isn't my natural uh, thing, as I mentioned, that I, that I grow towards. So I was like, let, let, let me be a part of something that's not in my norm. And before, like, the reading uh, of any poems or anything like that, before she spoke on stage, there was a meet and greet. So she's partnered with Bumble Bumble friends specifically, because Bumble does, you know, it's not only just dating, it's also friends and things like that. And it was just like, hey, come get to know people that are like-minded and, you know, just have a good time. And I was amazed by the amount of people that were there, the wide range of people, and also from where. I mean, there were some people that like literally flew out from Wisconsin to be a part of this. Others drove like five hours to be there. Like it really was incredible, all because they were moved by her words. And none of us had read the book at that particular time. Like when we got there, that's when we received the book for the first time. And, and you know, I just kind of skimmed a little bit through. I mean, it's a book of poems, so, you know, you can kind of pick and choose and, you know, get through a poem pretty quickly if you, if you want. And it was very touching. And... When that hour was over, we all went inside, and you know, there was a conversation between her and her friend. So she doesn't want to just speak at the audience. She wants to have a conversation. And after the conversation, there's going to be a Q&A portion. And it was quite the atmosphere because you know it started off great in the sense that everything that was supposed to be working went the way that it was supposed to and then all of a sudden the lights started flickering like really i i I mean the whole place friday the 13th might have been possessed you know uh the lights were off the lights came on then they flickered and things like that and leave it to my friend chloe west (laughs) to kind of initially stand up and be like hey why don't we do this real quick and get to know the people that we're sitting next to while you know they try to fix the lights and (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because Chloe didn't raise a hand, didn't ask. Like, she just literally shot up, made the suggestion, and, and Cleo on stage is like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And, and uh, 
you know, that, that created a great connection in this, uh, what could have been viewed as a bad situation, negative experience or whatnot. You know, we, we made it part and parcel. And then that kind of things resumed, although five minutes later, the lights were messing up again. And instead of just breaking off yet again, we, you know, or rather they chose to keep going and just make it part of it. And it just added to the atmosphere. You know, there was laughter and there were tears. Um, you know, for the Q&A portion itself, the people that ask the questions, you know, they were really moved by Cleo's earlier work and now this. And, you know, there was hugging, there was crying by all people. And it was a very profound experience. And I think it speaks to the quality of a community, because I don't want to say audience or followers, that Cleo has managed to really build. And that's what I was in awe of, you know? And even when she talked about the book, she always, she wasn't just writing poems for herself. She really wanted to add something to it. And the way she viewed her readers were really like her friends. And, and so she didn't want to just talk down at people. Like, let's say a self-help book might have that grit of like, do this, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and it might come off harsh. Whereas this was a lot more tender. I mean, in fact, the, the byline of the book is, you know, tender words for tough times, uh, so, something to that effect. I know I'm butchering it, but the, the main title of the book is Remember Love. And it was just, it was just wonderful, you know? Um, and, and Cleo really does have a way with words. I mean, you know, it remind me, the closest I've come to something similar is my friend Will Knox, who's a musician, he writes gorgeous lyrics that, I mean, are like poetry. And in fact, he did like this comic book type thing for one of his albums because it, he's just so very visual with the way his lyrics are. And Cleo isn't the same, but it, it was reminiscent of that and you know, got me thinking like, it would just be wonderful for <laughs> her and, and Will to meet because I know they would like absolutely love each other, you know? Um, I, th I think creatively they would see so eye to eye, not that they have to create something, but just, you know, <laughs> game recognize game sort of thing, right? Because um, I think sometimes, you know, that, that's also needed. You don't, not, we don't have to always collaborate with somebody, but I think we can just appreciate, you know, I think there's a default where we have to be competitive people. And it's like, no, if someone's doing something that's in your area and they're doing it well, there can be a kinship in that. So, yeah, that was, um, that's my thoughts on Cleo, Wade and, and her new book, Remember Love. And right now, to be honest, kind of need to remember love. And so, in a way, it came out at a great time. And uh, maybe in future episodes, I'll, I'll read some of my, some, you know, a poem that's one of my favorites, or I'll post it on social media at Phil Svitek. Anywho, the other component of my week has been the ongoing revamp of my website. You know, and, and as is generally the case, 
when you're getting towards the finish line, it seems to like slow down because the things that you're needing to fix are so specific and, you know, require more time. <laughs> so you're not seeing as much of the results, let's say. And so, you know, that's kind of the phase we're at is just adjusting the stuff here and there. I'm not sure if will be complete by the end of this week, but we'll certainly be very, very close. You know, now it's, again, the, the, the touch-ups. It's about, okay, you know, whereas before we had placeholder images, now we're putting in all the images that need to go there, making sure they fit. And, you know, the big aspect of it too is in today's day and age, you're not just building a website for one specific device. I mean, computer screens are all kinds of different, so it reacts you know, to your screen size and of course, tablets versus phones. And, you know, the ideal is that they call this uh, responsive, right? So you want a responsive website that literally responds correctly on every device. Ergo looks good no matter what device that it's on. And sometimes that can be tricky, you know, <laughs> it can look great on a computer webs, you know, like you're, you're, you're on Chrome on your computer and it looks great there. And all of a sudden you go on your phone. It's like, this is a jumbled mess, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's trial and error, you know, it's, it's making sure and testing it out and, and whatnot, but, um, but we're getting there and I'm excited, you know, to, to roll it out when the time is right. And, you know, it's kind of another thing, like ultimately could I push harder to get this done? Absolutely. You know, there's someone that I'm working with who's fantastic and they're really doing a great job. And, you know, even without a financial incentive, I could certainly be like, hey, we need to finish this up, blah, blah, blah. But it's okay. You know, um, it's just, it, in this sense, it's not ride or die. There's no particular deadline I have to hit. And so in those types of moments, I'd like to afford the time that it needs to get there, you know? And as long as progress is being made, then I'm certainly happy with it. And I can see that, you know, I, that the person's working hard, you know, when they ask for input, I give them an input, they implement it. So things are moving forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that because I think too many times unnecessarily just demand that things be done for the sake of being done. And again, the same thing with like The Arbiters, my forthcoming movie. Yeah, it'd be nice to have the script done by the end of the week, but I'm not required to. And as I said, my measure of success as far as the whole thing goes in this particular moment Am I putting in the time to work on it? Like, honestly, right? And if the answer is yes, then I can't be upset with myself. So, because, and, and I think too, that's why the people that work with me, when I do need to push them, they respond because they know it's, it's honest and it's not just some BS thing of my ego or whatever else. You know, like the best sort of recent example was when we we got word of my second 
film that it got accepted into this festival and was going to have its premiere. We weren't done with the movie, (laughs) you know? And I said, listen, by hell or high water, we can't be an embarrassment. And so whether it's VFX shots, whether it's sound design, like we can put all the full bells and whistles in later if we must, but we can't like with VFX, we can't just have it go to a blank screen that says insert VFX shot here. Like let's have something, right? That's not uh, 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 egregious, right? And that's what we did. And it was, it was arduous, but people knew that, that it was necessary, you know, because we knew this would be our premiere. It was in LA we knew we could get a lot of people and we wanted to have a good first impression for, for everybody's sake, you know, for, for our own individuals sakes, as well as the people that we work with, you know, the actors and so forth that weren't at that point, obviously involved in the the post-production phase. And that was the motivation. You know, I wasn't doing it to be an asshole, but, but it needed that, that firm like, hey, this is the deadline by hell or high water. We got to get this done. And what do we got? What, how can I support you to get that done? What do you need from me? And we pulled it off. It was a success. And it was really great. So all that to say, I very much try to have that flexibility and no arbitrary deadlines versus actual deadlines, right? So now... Switching gears this past weekend. So I do a monthly coaching session through my Patreon page. Uh, If you're unfamiliar, for $10 a month in my Patreon page, you get behind the scenes access of things that I'm working on. You know, for example, with the Arbiters, uh, you can see the various character sketches and things of that nature. Get templates for various things, but also a monthly coaching session right? Where it's a group coaching session. And, you know, it's only 10 bucks. Like there's only one tier. I know as far as Patreon is concerned, you've got multiple tiers and you get different rewards. I don't know. To me, I just like the cleanness of just one tier and that's it. Everyone gets the same. And so this, this past weekend, uh, it was the October monthly group coaching session. And so that was really fun, you know? Um, so if you want more director in action with me and, and kind of be a part of a great community, uh, patreon.com slash philspeedtech is where you can look for that. Um, so yeah, uh, that, was, that was big. Now, speaking of kind of coaching, last week an interesting thing sort of arose where I noticed something from a friend's podcast where, you know, I didn't need to say anything. It was unsolicited advice, but, but I knew that by saying something, I can help them improve. And when I say improve, you know, usually when people give advice, it means more time, effort, and money for somebody else. This was literally giving someone advice on how to place a mic, right? Which didn't, like it didn't cost them time, it didn't cost them effort, and it didn't cost them money. 
So moving forward, they knew how to place the mic better. Now, the tricky part of it is, you know, the note was for my friend, but they would have to relay it to the people that they worked with. And, you know, you never know how those things might be taken and, and so forth. So I was like, eh, maybe I shouldn't say anything, you know, not rock the boat or whatever. And then I thought about it for a day. And I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me, let me say it in a constructive, empathetic way. And then, you know, how it's received after that, it's really on them, not me. And so I did that. And boom, you know, they were very appreciative and, you know, moving forward, they now know and will have better sound for the podcast. So, yeah, I think, you know, if, if if you care, I think there's a right way to go about unsolicited advice, but also factoring in that, again, if it sometimes you're giving someone that advice, you know, is it going to cost them time, effort, or money? You know, you, you got to be okay if they don't take it, you know, and, and, and factor that as part of your messaging, you know, like, hey, I, I thought of this. I think this would help you. I understand that blah, 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 but, you know, take it or leave it type of thing. So. Anywho. One thing that was interesting, uh, kind of examining the larger world and just esoteric things that I think about, and I always uh, put them towards the end of the vlog just because, you know, they're, they're stray observations and whatnot, is The Rock, aka Dwayne Johnson, apologized for the Maui incident. Now, if you're unfamiliar, him and Oprah did this video where... They started a fund where they were asking for donations to then give to the victims of Maui. And boy, were they roasted. And The Rock, this past week, came out with an apology. I think it really lowered the tensions, you know, at least for him. He realized that, like, yeah, um, you know, asking people in tough times who have so little to give, it, it, it's a little bit insensitive, you know, and, you know, he's been on that side of it. So, so he got it. And I appreciated that. I just wish, you know, a lot of times these things, I, I, I wish we went deeper with it all. And I think too oftentimes we write off criticism as negativity versus a chance to, to really learn. Because, when I look at something like that, I think an, another big component that was being raised by people was this idea that you don't need to start another foundation to help the people of Maui when there's already, you know, organizations that exist or people there on the ground that you can donate to. So why not amplify those voices rather than just create another thing? And I think. That's a sticking point for me. And I'm not upset at The Rock for this. Because it's, if anything, it's it's, it's an an aspect of our society that really exists. And I think we should come together and, and, and really go in unison 
and elevate each other rather than parallel tracks. And also the other aspect is, has less to do with the rock, but more so just the idea of the state of our economy at this particular moment, and more so, you know, a thing that's like been ever present and true, the financial impact on people who have less is always more. You know, so if someone with a lot of money misses a payment and they incur a late fee or whatever, that is less impact on them than someone who doesn't have money, right? Doesn't have a lot. Because now any interest that they're accruing, you know, it's tough. And more so if someone has the money, then they're much more apt to make that payment on time versus someone who obviously doesn't. So really there's, there's a high cost to being poor. I think I talked about a little bit, but not enough, or maybe not as directly. And so I just want to kind of highlight that, especially this year, I think people have really felt the price of not having enough. All the while, you know, doing what they can. Because I know a lot of people that are cutting back, that are working harder and doing what they can and yet really being pinched. So there's a cost to being poor. Now, a separate thought um, that I saw was that indigenous people make up 5% of the world's population and yet preserve 80% of our biodiversity. What a statistic that was when I saw it. And it just kind of reverberated like, yeah. And it's something that I certainly like, I try to think about the environment and ways that I can minimize my impact against it in ways that I can maximize my impact to help it, you know, and, and sp spreading information, you know, doing what I can and all that. But it's nowhere near enough, right? And indigenous cultures generally are more in tune with the land and, and so forth. And yeah, just, just this idea that we write off a lot of these cultures, you know, as not being advanced when they're doing so much for us, right? Um, I think we get so ingrained in this way of life of materialism, materialism, and um, we don't really stop to think about all these things, you know. And listen, you know, I don't know where things are headed and whatnot. But what I do know is with an eye towards infinite growth 
and a finite planet just doesn't add up. And the idea that we'll just go to Mars or the moon or whatever, I don't know. You know, that's going to take resources too. <laughs> the world itself will be okay. It's not the world we're saving. It's ourselves. So, Speaking of kind of nature, um, I, as an update about my foster dog, Diamond, she's, um, she's still with me. Um, you know, it's been kind of, I don't even know where to really post. I mean, you know, I try to each and every week, I try to spread the word in the ways that I can. And, you know, the returns on any interest has been less and less. Part of me thought about putting together an adoption fair, um, of my own. We'll see, you know, if I'm able to do that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, still still working on it. So if you know anybody interested in a, a German Shepherd or things like that, let me know. Uh, I've linked to her video in the description box so you can kind of get a grasp of you know, what she's like. And uh, yeah, it would be greatly appreciated to to help spread that that message, essentially. Shifting gears yet again. I have this friend who has been suffering from headaches for months now and kind of consistently. And, you know, they've looked into solutions, MRIs and things of that nature and no real solution yet. And so what I thought about it was, you know, Alice Miller has this book called The Body Never Lies. And certainly the connection between mental health and physical health is starting to be really explored more and more so. And we can start to see how our mental health affects our physical health. And so, you know, I thought about it. I was like, well, let me see if I can, you know, talk to this person and see if they would be willing to try therapy as a part of the solution. Maybe it's, you know, I'm not saying it's the solution, but as part of the solution. And see what that does. So um, this week I'm going to talk to that person and you know just offer it up as a solution. Hopefully, you know they'll take it and hopefully it it helps. You know we'll see. But I, I for me I'm a firm believer and I I've really I know from my therapy it's always really been beneficial to to combat physical ailments. You know by clearing my mind. So. Uh, just a few more things. Um, as far as movies are concerned, you know, this week we have Flowers of the Killer Moon coming out. Um, earlier this year we had Oppenheimer, and I, I, I bring those up simply because of their runtime. And I have nothing against movies that are three hours or, or longer if they justify their runtime. But I was listening to the, um, the, the Filmcast podcast and they raised the notion of why not have intermission in some of these movies like they did in the old days. It's a chance for people to take a quick break, maybe discuss it. Uh, in the middle, you can play trailers, right? Um, which would be cool. And for theaters, people would be much more apt to like refill on snacks and spend more money. 
just kind of like a win-win. And I don't know why we don't do that. Um, you know, I think we should. And in fact, depending on the runtime of my movie, which is probably going to be a little bit longer, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I should build in an intermission into it. Anyway, just something to think about. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's been on my mind creatively and, and otherwise this week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to tune in. Yeah, as I said, I, I, I hope this helps you in some way. You know, if nothing else, just kind of see yourself reflected um, and whatnot. And as always, comment down below or hit me up on social media with any thoughts, questions, whatever else. Thank you so much. I hope to see you next time.